I first would like to say that this sermon, this topic we are diving into today, and the organization of this service comes from collective wisdom. There are people in this church and staff members that I have had conversations with that have contributed to the collective wisdom of the pause we are talking about today. My own personal journey with therapy and my therapist have been influential in contributing to this collective wisdom. My family and friends have been part of this collective wisdom, as have my past experiences. Activist voices that are majority BIPOC have also influenced this collective wisdom. We certainly do not approach a subject like the wisdom of the pause in times of trauma and healing without acknowledging the trauma and healing that is still happening throughout our globe to people of marginalized identities and the healing work that we can all be part of together, which we will talk about today. Wisdom of the pause while healing from trauma should be accessible to all. Nobody can take the pause they need while healing without help from others. Nobody can heal alone. This topic really does speak to our seventh UU principle of being part of an interdependent web of existence. If we begin to look at pausing and healing as a communal process, we then begin to see how our human processes of healing affect our earth processes of healing. When we begin healing ourselves, we then are better able to help others in their healing and then are better able to help our communities and our planet heal from the trauma that has been experienced by all. Erin Green has been a big contributor to these wisdom conversations from her trauma-informed mental health care work and education, and we will actually hear more from her during this sermon time as well. We are in a time of healing together. Let us explore how we do that sustainably today. When I see the photo of the boy at the base of the steps, I want to say to him, the struggle is real, my friend. The struggle is real. I'm pretty sure we can all empathize with how that child might be feeling in the photo. He is looking down and pausing, possibly wondering how he will start climbing the wall of steps in front of him. He might be pondering how he will take his first step, or will he crawl? However, he decides to tackle the wall of steps might be the best method for him and how to climb to the top. In this photo, it looks like his pause before he climbs is intentional. Pausing when we reach the top of the steps is also necessary. Just as the stop skill reminds us from our Time for All Ages message today, the P after we stop, take a breath, and observe is to proceed with intent. 
Now that we are at the top, we set intentions for how to reflect back on our climb and proceed forward with all the wisdom we have gained. I really have empathized with this photo lately, not only with being forced to pause in the pandemic, but with being forced to pause because of a knee injury and now pausing again in some of my career goals to become a UU minister. There is indeed wisdom in the pause. The knee injury has been the biggest teacher of the pause for me. I am a bodily kinesthetic type learner. If something manifests in my body, I will indeed learn the lesson. A lot of you have participated in walking meditations, and if you haven't, walking meditations are intentional in making you focus only on your walking, heel to toe. My whole recovery from my knee injury continues to be a walking meditation, and steps are the one area where I really need to put all of my focus. Because if my mind wanders, I could fall. My focus has to be in the present moment. There is indeed wisdom in pausing before climbing a wall of steps. Throughout the pandemic, I have had the pleasant opportunity to live with Nar, the bestest dog in the world. Okay, I might be biased. However, I will let you in on a little secret. Nar is one of the most patient beings I have ever met. This dog's patience surprised me for sure. He will wait for hours and hours for you to come home. And guess what? He is never mad that he has had to wait for you to come home. And he always greets you with the best snarl smile ever. He also does not touch anything in the casita while you are gone. When it comes to lessons in patience, NAR has taught me a lot. Patience is required when we pause. I'm a bit envious of NAR's ability to be so patient and really have tried to learn from him. If I had to wait as long as he does for his people to come home so he can pee eat, and have an adventure, I would be super angry at whoever I was waiting for, but not him. There is wisdom in those patient gnar paws. Trauma chaplaincy has also taught me a lot about allowing for time to pause. Throughout my experiences as a chaplain in a Trauma One hospital, I consistently would be called to each trauma that came into the hospital. If there were family around, it was my job to meet them and bring them into our private waiting room where they had time and space to pause. It was during this pause where family members could begin to not only feel all their feelings, but articulate them to me. Taking a pause is vulnerable. Pausing allows for room for grief, relief, misery, and joy. Articulating feelings and experiences when we have gone through trauma is a big first step 
Everyone's story and experiences of trauma matter. Your story and how you experience it matters. Just like those of us who were alive during the 9-11 attack on the Twin Towers, everyone who experienced living through this pandemic will have a story to tell. Some of those stories will be filled with grief and misery. Some of those stories will be folks who have experienced loss on top of loss. Some stories will be of people losing their job. Some people might have a story of being able to actually spend more time with family and having time to experience joy together. Our experiences and stories of trauma matter. When we articulate our stories, we become more aware of what we are feeling. This is a first step in healing. Individually, when we articulate our experiences and feelings, we become more aware of the outward and inward reactions we have to our feelings. If we work on our own self-awareness, this can serve as a catalyst for others to do the same. When we begin to heal ourselves, we begin to heal the world around us. Feeling is a courageous act. Healing is also a courageous act. Both of these take time and work and they aren't perfect processes either. One method that has worked for me is to keep a diary card of my emotions. I listed the emotions I wanted to keep track of daily and rated how I felt on a scale of one to 10. Emotions like love, anger, sadness, guilt, shame, fear, anxiety, joy, Apathy, hope, depression, overwhelm, tired, exhausted. This could be a first step you could take in becoming more so self-aware. I would even encourage you to get a feelings wheel pillow like this one. Or you could print out a feeling wheel and put it on your fridge or in your house somewhere or up at work. There is wisdom in pausing to feel your necessary feelings. Pausing for play and relaxation is also a wise decision while healing from traumatic events in our lives. This past year, and a half during the pandemic, we have all dealt with stress to the max. We must remember that pausing for play and relaxation is necessary. We have a communal need right now to have fun, to play, and to relax. We must pause and allow ourselves the necessary time to enjoy our present moments of life with other people in safe ways. We can pause and play. We can pause and relax. 
we can pause and have events that are solely for the purpose of fun. This is what we did last week with our UU high school group. We went to Cliff's amusement park solely for the purpose of fun. Pandemic life has not been full of playing or relaxing or fun, and this is what we all desperately need. One privilege that I feel we have had here in Los Alamos throughout the pandemic is being so close to nature. Some of us may have been able to pause in nature throughout this pandemic. When I think about pausing for play and relaxation, being in nature is really the only way that I can actually do that. My phone doesn't have service or is on airplane mode when I go into the woods. I am purely focused on the here and now. I can really focus on listening and being. The woods force me to pause, be present, play, and relax. There is wisdom in pausing for play and pausing in nature. These are some of my wisdom thoughts from my ministry work and personal experiences. I now would like to talk with Erin Green, who is a member of our congregation and who is currently studying clinical mental health and has been trained in trauma-informed practices. Hey, Erin. Hi, Dina. Thanks for being with us today and being part of this sermon time. Um, I'm grateful. Thank you. Yes, um, thanks for having me. Yeah. And um, so, as you know, we're talking about pausing during times of trauma and healing. Um, and uh, just to give a little bit of background on you and your studies in clinical mental health, um, what gives you um, this unique perspective into pausing during times of trauma and healing? Well, uh, I'm not a clinician. I've been studying counseling for the past two years, and I will be a licensed clinician next spring. I have taken many courses on trauma-informed care and practices, and I've also done a lot of work with Strong in Nature uh, and received many trainings on trauma-informed care for survivors of sexual and domestic violence. Um, yeah, so there are different kinds of traumatic responses, um, and different ways that people heal from their traumas. And can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, there are definitely many different trauma responses. And it's important to note that each individual's trauma response is going to be different and unique to them. And every trauma response is valid. And it's important to accept that and not just look for the stereotypes. And so how do, you know, some of our trauma, traumatic responses show up in our lives? Um, how does that manifest, I guess? Yeah. Um, so I can speak to myself. Um, I, I tend to be avoidant as a trauma response. I will uh, get lost in a book or binge watch a Netflix show, procrastinate things. Uh, that I find overwhelming. And so that's just one example of a trauma response. Uh, another example could be extreme busyness, where an individual fills their schedule to the brim so that they're busy, busy all the time. Uh, that's another example. And there are many different ways 
in which trauma shows up in our lives. Hmm. And so, um, what are kind of the first steps in how we heal from this trauma? Um, some of the traumas that are in our lives, how do we first start to begin to heal? Self-awareness is key, I think, to beginning the healing process, recognizing within yourself that you have a challenge or a need that needs to be addressed is really important. And having that recognition will help any individual begin to process the trauma response or the trauma that they've experienced. Yeah. So um, not everyone has access to therapy um, um, because of insurance or other issues, and not everyone trusts therapy. Um, Can you speak about that a little bit? Of course. Um, Lack of insurance is definitely a big barrier to counseling access, and it creates a system where the privileged have access and those who are without privilege are oppressed. Um, Another barrier is um, immigrants who are in the United States are often more closed off in their communities. They may not ask for help or intervention because it could open the door to other unwanted intervention that would be harmful. Mm. Yeah. Um, So how can we help all people um, begin to have access to therapy tools? That's a great question. I think um, creating a community which offers the support in a community-wide way and also really advocating for that self-awareness and that self-reflection time. Yeah. And so um, would you say, you know, sharing of resources, points of access um, are some of the ways that also could um, help with that in, in having folks have these tools accessible to them? Yeah, definitely. Um, points of access are really important. People knowing where to go and what the safe spaces are, whether that's a church or a county service or a school service really creating that safety network and and making the resources available from peer to peer will create accessibility. Cool. Um, and do you um, have any more self-awareness tools that you've, that have worked for you or you've learned about or practiced in your clinical studies? I know uh, one thing that works really well for me is the self-reflection time, really allowing myself to sit with something that makes me uncomfortable and trying to follow it backwards to the source and helping myself kind of unpack that has been, has been really key um, for, for practicing self-awareness. Cool. Mm-hmm. Ah, awesome. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and after we start to become more self, aware. Is this when taking time to pause would be good? Yes. Yes. Taking time to pause will help foster healing. It can, it can feel uncomfortable for sure to lean into the pause, but ultimately, you know, it's, it's unique to our own needs. So what a pause looks like for one person isn't going to be the same for another person. Um, and yeah, we live in a society that's based on productivity, speed, efficiency, our dominant 
American culture moves at an unhealthy speed and only values people for what they can produce. So taking a pause and moving slowly is a radical act, I would say, um, and making the pause a value of our society and in our workplaces is a radical act. Iceland has begun doing this just recently and has gone from a five-day work week to a four-day work week. Um, we can also model our communities after other countries that have a mandatory two to three hour rest period in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. So how then do we take what we have learned in our own pausing mm -hmm. and healing and apply that to our community pausing and healing? I think that, um, speaking to our representatives at the state and local level and asking for this change, advocating for the need to pause on community levels is really key here. And we can also speak to our schools and administrators and asking to do small things like extending lunch breaks or extending recess times. We can speak to our local business owners and see if it's feasible to extend lunch hours and really support individuals being able to have time and space when needed. So it's kind of like a, a slow beginning of changing some community norms, which I know you've talked about. And like, yes. um, and so modeling in a different way, these norms that we associate with being a part of a particular culture or community. Yes. Yes. Cool. Okay. Um, and yeah, this pandemic has, you know, uh, it's been a big pause <laughs> in a way. Mm -hmm. And uh, how do we want to proceed coming out of this pandemic. That's the P in the stop skill um, that I talked about earlier in our time for all ages. Yeah. Proceed with intent. We aren't out of the woods yet uh, with this pandemic. And how then do we think about proceeding with intent together? I think that community care models are key to moving forward. I think that um, looking at our communities as a holistic organization or organic structure versus that individual care will be really helpful for that deep and authentic healing on the community level. And, you know, we can create these changes that will support a community and then start to maybe see the ripple effects in the institutions that are also a part of that community. Cool. I like it. Um, <laughs> Well, thank you for uh, spending time with us today and sharing your thoughts and ideas and reflections. And we are grateful. So thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks uh, for having me. Yeah. And so let us meditate on these words, thoughts, and reflections as we now listen to a piece uh, composed by Mike and Nicole Adams titled Pop. 